super pumped. Um, okay, so I hope that this message today um, is a little bit tough. Um, and I hope that this message really, I, I pray that we would open up our hearts and be ready uh, to receive, um, and, and for me as well, receive a challenge. I feel like God is, is put on our heart uh, for the start of the new year to challenge us, um, to challenge us to really push through uh, the concept of forgiveness. Someone say forgiveness. forgiveness. It's a yucky word. It's a wonderful word, but yet it's a yucky and difficult word. And, uh, and so we're going to be talking about that for these next four weeks. And so can I be honest? Can I be honest with you? Um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to do communion. I wanted to do communion. Um, and, and if you don't know anything about communion, uh, it is where Jesus was at the Last Supper. He's about to go to the cross, and he says to all of his followers, uh, take and eat, take and drink my body that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for you for forgiveness. And it's a way of remembering the sacrifice that Christ made. And uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to do that, but my spirit said not yet. And it's very strange. I'm like, why, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And um, I really feel that it was put on our hearts, Emily and I's hearts, to at the end of this series centered on forgiveness to take communion together. And, and I want to take communion right. And it says in the word of God to take communion with a fresh heart, with a clean heart, with a pure heart to, in that act of remembrance. And so um, the thing that I think that was on my, my heart uh, in a season of transition, the thing that I think is um, a, a very real thing for all of us and just in life is that forgiveness can really weigh us down or lack of forgiveness. Bitterness can really weigh us down. The anger that can just reside in us can weigh us down and can distort the purity behind taking communion. And so we're going to be talking about forgiveness. It says this in Ephesians 4, and I love how, I love how Paul puts this. Can we put this up here? Ephesians 4, verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness and anger. Get rid of all the rage, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I love that word, malice. Uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so you've been forgiven. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've said, God, you're my Lord and Savior. I believe it in my heart and I've said it with my mouth. If you would say that, and you believe that in who you are, God forgave you. And that forgiveness overflows into your whole body and overflows out into your relationships, out into the world. And so forgiveness is a state of being. Forgiveness is, is a real thing that we should be living out each and every day. And so the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that forgiveness just isn't kind of light in the Bible. It's not just a suggestion Forgiveness is not just a cool thing for us to think about. Forgiveness actually is a life-changing command. Yeah. The way that Paul puts this is that there's no option. You have to forgive. Whoa, Paul, slow down. You don't know what I've been through. Paul, you don't know what I've, uh, what I've gone through. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened to me years ago. And he says, I, I get it. But we have to rid ourselves of all that bitterness, all of that anger, and we have to live a life of forgiveness. And the reason why I say that it's life-changing is because when you actually walk it out, and it might be a process. Forgiveness, a lot of people like to think it's this moment. No, it's a process. But when we live it out, it changes your life and brings about so much freedom. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Can I pray for you all before we jump into this? Let's pray. Jesus. We just thank you that years and years ago on the cross, you took all of our burdens so that we could be forgiven and made right with you. 
And so out of that forgiveness, out of that overwhelming grace and mercy, I pray that we would take the example that you set and live a life of forgiveness as well. God, may our may a forgiving heart overflow into our relationships, into our families, into our friends, in every area of our life. May we walk with forgiveness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Emmy and I, we just celebrated our four years married. Um, it's been a fantastic time. Uh, four years. I'm a grizzled veteran now. I know everything. Um, everything. Okay. And uh, it's, it's been a wonderful time. Uh, we, we got married on New Year's Eve. And uh, it was quite the celebration. I'll be really honest. It was overwhelming. Uh, I've never seen so much dancing for like eight hours straight. Okay. Um, and it was an amazing time. And... Uh, we got married, it was a wonderful wedding, and the thing that was really cool is that uh, we were young and in love and had no money, so guess where we moved? My mother's basement, okay? It was a wonderful t- sky-high moment, we're living life, living life, living life, mom's basement, okay? Like, yeah, here we go, all right, driving in the park, hi mom, all right, we're going to go downstairs now, okay? And so this is, it was an interesting start, but I want to tell you, my, my mom and dad, they spoiled us. Like, we're not talking about, like, just putting a curtain up in the basement and saying, get down there. Like, they went above and beyond to make this apartment, Okay? And so it's like a two bed, two full bath, like full kitchen, everything. Because my mom doesn't do anything at like level one. She does everything at level 24, okay? And so she goes over the top, makes us this wonderful, wonderful uh, apartment. And she does something that was really bold. My mom says, what colors do you guys want? And Emmy and I, she, listen, wonderful Emmy. She is so great. Uh, she picked and married the one guy in the world who actually gave uh, concern. I almost said a different word. She actually married the only man in the world who, like, cared about the color and the design of a house. So I grew up with Lisa, and if you know anything about Lisa, it's color, 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 color everywhere. Homegirl has five colors in her kitchen, four walls, five colors. Don't know how you do it, but it happens, okay? And so... Lisa's color queen, and I'm like, color prince, and Emmy, beige, white, gray, okay, a different gray, a third gray, okay, and so she just wants gray, it's all white, and so I'm like, okay, cool, Uh, and so Emmy and I, in the naivety of our first, you know, two weeks, fight over these colors. I mean, I'm talking duking it out. I'm talking like the enemy was attacking us, dividing our household. Like, I'm talking like I'm not giving up. She's not giving up. And I promise you I'm going to win 10 out of 10, sister. And she's like, I promise you I'm going to win 10 out of 10, mister. Okay? And so we're fighting over this. Boom, 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 boom. And I make the biggest mistake ever. I paint all the trim in the household. Mostly people's household trim are wood color or white. I'm like, let's paint it purple. Let's paint it like a different gold, okay? Like I'm like, I'm throwing Lisa and me all out there, okay? Different trim color everywhere. And so we're going for it. I'm painting everything. I'm spending hours and hours and hours of my life. My dad and I are working tirelessly to make a kingdom down there, okay? And so we get to the laundry room, laundry room. We paint the wall pink. I don't know what was in me, but we paint this laundry room pink. And I swear on my life, Emmy broke down crying 
But it wasn't like I'm sad crying, like I'm angry crying, like she's gonna fight me and throw like a left like jab, bro. Like I swear on my life. It was a bad time. And I'll tell you to this day, to this day, to this day, Emmy will not let me choose any colors. Like, and I, listen, I figured it out. We, I mean, the biggest fights of our entire life were over colors and over what couch to get. Like, it was insanity, okay? And so I've just learned, if she wants it white, white, okay? And so, like, I get it. I get it. I fought my thing. But Emmy, to this day, will not forget to remind me, nope, you're not picking any colors. You paint a, a laundry room pink. Who does that? Okay. And I'm like, well, it's a laundry room. It could be a cool spot. Like, uh, why not paint it colorful and do something magical in there? But no, nope, she wants all white everything. And so Emmy and I, again, to this day, we figured out our boundaries and I don't think it's been forgiven yet. And so this series is for us. Okay. <laughs> this series is for us and our marriage. Um, but forgiveness and, and, and a light story, it's, it's real. And it's so interesting. We were talking the other day about a lot of the attacks that I think that Satan throws into our marriage and into our personal lives. They're over small little things, right? Like you can have these debates over where the dishes go. And it's like, folks, it's where you're putting the dishes. Like, but for some reason to us, it's a big, big deal. Who gets to take what car today? Whenever I have Warren and I'm driving around, I want to drive my car. But for some reason, she wants to drive her car around it, throws my whole day off. I don't like her at all. She doesn't like me at all. And it's this big fight, right? And we've all been there. It can be over little things. But it can also be over some pretty big things. There's some massive, massive conflict that goes on, our, on, on in our life. And I want to ask this question of all of us, and this is a bold question, and I think this is a question for me too, and this is challenging. What good is it that we continue to carry the bitterness in our heart? To whatever degree you've been hurt, to whatever degree you've been burdened, to whatever degree you've been disappointed, what good is it to continue to carry that bitterness? What good is it to walk into my house at 5 p.m. when I got back from work and continue to be mad at Emmy? What good is it? What good is it when my three-year-old throws a, a peanut butter and jelly all over the floor on the carpet? It's like, Warren, come on, dude. But what good is it to carry that burden and to carry that bitterness with him? And again, I'm using small examples. What good is it, what good is it in the small examples? But then we ask a, a, a bigger question. Do you know, Nick Miller, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to me when I was five? when they touched me? Do you know what they did to me when I was younger, when they left and I didn't have my mom or dad? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what my husband did to me when he went off looking at that woman and started talking with her? Do you know what he did to me? Do you know what my boss did to me when they treated me poorly? used and abused me for 80 hours a week, only giving me 40 hours of pay, treating me unfairly. Do you know what they did to me? It's real quiet. Come on. Do you know what they did to me? I had a conversation with someone, and, and, and I wanted to get real with you guys today. We had a transition. We, we moved from a church, and we started this, and God's been really good. And on the way, though, there's been some hurt. And we had a conversation with... Uh, a young a young person who uh, wanted to talk with us and kind of clear the air. And uh, I didn't understand 
what this moving on and what this transition had done to them. And so my wife and I, we sit in a conversation with them and they start opening up. Literally within 12 seconds of the conversation, I see this person start to shake because there's that much maybe pain or disappointment or hurt and they start to shake. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I see that you're really hurt. Can we pray real quick? Like, can we talk through this? Can we, can we bring love to the center of this? And after that, it, it all calmed down and the conversation went really smoothly. Actually, it brought a lot of healing. But I get it. There's pain that really, really happens. And I didn't even see what happened to that person. I didn't even fully comprehend what happened in our transition with that person that we so dearly loved and love. I didn't see it. But pain and hurt and disappointment can get that big to where you run into that person. You ever had that sick pit in your stomach? Ooh, I just saw them at Target. Ooh. <laughs> Natural moment, sorry. I just saw them at Target. Ooh. Avoid them, go in the other aisle. It's real. It's really real. And that's just a huge indicator that we got to do some inside heart work. Amen? Amen. We have to do some inside heart work. Because I want to be able to walk around in my normal life, see someone in Starbucks that's from my past or from a transition or, oh my gosh, how many past relationships would end up really messy and I'd be like, avoid them. I just want to be able to walk where I walk and just be like, hey, how's life? Imagine that type of freedom where you felt no weight walking into an open public place where someone just happens to be. I think there's power in forgiveness. There really is. And so Jesus, who, who quite often talked about forgiveness, um, <laughs> that was a huge, huge concept in, in his world. You have to understand that back then the belief was if you act perfect, you could be made right with God. And the truth is, is anyone perfect? Carrie last week claimed that she was perfect. No, you ain't, okay? Listen, nobody here is perfect. But Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. In other words, Jesus came so that when you walk into that aisle with God at Target, you're good. Does that make sense? He came so that there's no more tension. He came so that we can actually connect on a real level with God. He came so that we can walk face to face and have a wonderful conversation with a God who loves us more than anything. That's what he came to do, to forgive. And the, the story is from the very beginning, Adam and Eve were in perfect harmony with God and they went and they, they did something bad. They ate from this tree that opened up their eyes to sin and to evil and they disobeyed God and therefore severed the bond that we had with God. And so Jesus again came to forgive all of humanity for that original sin. And so the disciples are talking with Jesus about this. And if you got your notes or if you got your Bible, and let me just encourage you real quick. Um, we got notes underneath the chairs. Please, please, please don't forget to take notes because it could change your Monday and Tuesday. When you have it up on the fridge and that person calls you that just hits that bitterness button, you can look at that and say, oh, I got to forgive right now. Oh, I got to go through that process. So please take notes and bring your Bible to church. Seriously. Jump into the word. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, don't put it up yet, but let me give you, give you a preface. Jesus is leading his ministry. He's talking with his disciples and leaders around. And he, whenever he walked and whenever he spoke about the kingdom, people would listen. People would receive from Jesus. And they would gather in mass amounts to hear what he had to say. Because his message was good. His message was that a Messiah, a Savior, was coming to bridge the gap. And so he's talking, and, and this is what's referred to as a parable. 
a parable or an analogy, a way of us understanding the kingdom of heaven in a way that like speaks on our language. And so he starts talking in this parable and Jesus opens up. He's like, <laughs> Peter goes up to him and he said, um, how many times should I forgive someone? So apparently Peter had some relationship problems and someone was really annoying him. And he's like, Jesus, this fool over here keeps upsetting me. This dude keeps hurting me. I, I, what do I got to do about this? The wisest person, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? So can we put this up there? Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be jumping into uh, verse 21, I believe. Verse 21 up. Let me get my Bible here. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Oh, isn't that a good question? Have you ever had that conversation with your girl or with your guy? Oh, they did this to me. I should just drop them. I should be done with them. They're cut. <laughs> up to seven times? That's a rational answer. Yeah, if you, if you offended me seven times, I'm pretty much done with you. Fair? Fair. <laughs> Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Excuse me. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what happened to me? Yeah, G Jesus knows. Jesus knows how much Peter was offended by this person that he was asking about. Forgiving 77 times? Are you crazy? Three is enough for me. After three, I'm sorry, folks. I'm good. But Jesus says something astronomical 77 times. What Jesus is really pointing to is the fact that forgiveness is an intentional choice and a heart posture. How do you forgive 77 times? You have to tell your feelings. You have to tell your inside that we're going to choose to forgive. And you got to train your heart to walk in forgiveness. That's the only way that you can live like this. That's the only way that we can walk and operate like this. That's impossible. And I wish I, wish I was better at it. And again, that's why we're approaching this series and I really want to talk about this. This parable, it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And so Jesus goes on and he starts speaking about a story, an analogy. He says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, someone, uh, there's, there's also 10,000 bags of gold, someone say gold, gold, owed him gold, 10,000 bags of gold. <sighs> 10,000 bags was brought to him. Um, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had to be sold to repay the debt. A debt that was impossible for this man. A debt that could not, could not possibly be repaid. And so he went after everything he got. He owed everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. What? It goes on. Can we put it? The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Let me tell you something. The original debt that we have, the brokenness that we've brought, the offense that we, and this is a hard statement, the way that we've sinned and the way that we've acted there's a debt that needs to be paid. And the truth is, is that the debt that was owed could never be paid. Yeah. You couldn't live a perfect enough life. 
You couldn't act in a certain way. You couldn't get all of your stuff together. The debt could never be paid. These 10,000 bags of talents or 10,000 bags of gold, you could not repay the master. But what? This man was given forgiveness? 10,000 bags, I mean like an astronomical amount, millions of dollars, like just forgiven, done? The debt that was owed could never be paid. But the story goes on, and this is the interesting part of the story. But when the servant went out, he found his fellow servants owed him 100 silver coins. Some will say 100. 10,000 bags of gold. 100 silver coins. He went out, found his friend who owes him 100 silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees. He said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. Um, but when the servant went out, he found his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell back to his knees. He begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused and instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Can we keep going? Keep going, keep going. The offense that we face, let me just say this, the offense that we face doesn't compare to the offense that we've been forgiven. And so here's this guy who was forgiven 10,000 bags of gold, goes to a person who owes him 100 silver coins and says, nah. Cancels the debt and then goes, that servant goes up to someone who owes him 10 denarii. It's like nothing. Or 100 denarii. Owes him nothing. And he throws the man in jail. The offense that we face pales in comparison to what we've done. And so these little walls, these pink walls, why do I hold on to that? Why do I carry that bitterness and that rage towards my wife and my wife towards me? Why? That's a little cheap coin. That's a little cheap coin. And there can be even greater. That person who hurt you and disappointed you, that boss who mistreated you, yeah, that's a big offense, but man, it pales in comparison to what you've been forgiven. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. <laughs> I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had shown you? You've been forgiven much. Why aren't you forgiving much? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. Whoa. Whoa. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Look, I actually don't like preaching this. This is not a nice thing for me to say. I'm just talking what Jesus said. The kingdom of God, apparently you got to live a forgiving life in order to receive the forgiveness from heaven. Wow. And I hold a little bit of bitterness in my life. I'm sorry again today. I just got to preach the word. John Brevere actually shared this yesterday. It rocked my word, and I was like, okay, way to go, John Brevere. God's orchestrating all things. He's showing me things. John Brevere says this, a person who cannot forgive has forgotten how great a debt God has forgiven them. A person who cannot forgive has forgotten clearly how much you've been forgiven. 
I don't want to forget what Jesus has done. And the question needs to be asked, how's your relationship going if you've forgotten that? How's your growth with him if you've forgotten that? Where's your faith life at if you've forgotten how much you've been forgiven, if you continue to live a, a life of unforgiveness? And so if we want to be closer, if we want to live a full life, if we want to live a life in which our heart is growing, in which we're chasing after him with everything we've got, forgiveness has to be a part of what we do. It has to be a part of our life so as to not forget all that he's done and so as to not have this story said of us, you wicked servant. Again, I'm sorry. I wish, I wish this was nicer, but I can't paint it super nice. Big question, why should I forgive? Again, you know what they did to me? You know what I went through? Why should I forgive? Why should I, why should I treat them that way? They have wronged me. And some of the wronging is not just like a moment. There are some years of wronging. Years. Why should I forgive them of that? There's two thoughts that I have. Forgiveness comes from a state of being forgiven. You should write this down. Forgiveness comes from a state of being forgiven. It shows that you belong to Jesus. It shows that you are Christ's child. When you forgive, it looks a lot like Jesus. And I will say this, I will say this, a sign of of perhaps not belonging to Jesus is continuous, overwhelming unforgiveness. And again, I got to just preach the word. I wish I could say something different. But to forgive is to belong in him. To forgive is to look like him. To forgive is to show that you are his child. It's not a choice. It's not a little thing. It's a command to forgive. For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Again, I have to just read the text. This is Jesus talking. I just want to live a life of forgiveness in light of how much I've been forgiven. And so I think in my recent transition season where I held unforgiveness and bitterness. I realized that I wasn't really connected with him. And I realized that I wasn't walking in his ways. And I had to work through that. And listen, forgiveness, I promise you, doesn't just come in a moment. Sometimes it does. That's wonderful. But I'm still in the process of transitioning and moving forward and and forgiving. So that again, when I walk down that aisle and see that person, that I could have just a wonderful conversation and truly live out what God wants for my life, which is to live a life of forgiveness. If you have received forgiveness, you will give forgiveness. It's your nature now. If Jesus has invaded your heart, if God has taken over what is on the inside, forgiveness just becomes a daily habit. Forgiveness just becomes a part of who you are. Just becomes a part of who you are. And so I want us to walk in that childlike faith. I want us to walk being sons and daughters of God, and that means that we have to forgive. Let me also say this. This is the second thing about forgiveness that I think is super important. Forgiveness is not about healing their heart, but rather your heart. 
and we can walk around for years and years. Oh my gosh. Like, let me be really honest with you. Uh, I have, I have a, a grandfather who is an interesting character, been massively offensive. And in preaching this message, I'm, I'm feeling the conviction myself. Okay. And, and, and we haven't known really how to handle him. The things that he says are a little bit off. Um, he's incredibly offensive. Uh, and it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to connect with him. It's really hard to sit in the same room as him. You don't have to raise your hands, but do we have that person in our life? It's really hard. It's really hard to be close. And so we haven't spent any Christmases. We haven't spent any Easter's. We haven't spent any family time. In fact, on Warren's birthday and on my birthday, he doesn't come around, but my grandma does by herself. Really, Nick? Really? And I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do it because there's an element of forgiveness that I really want to say that's important is that forgiveness does not mean that you just let people in that are dysfunctional or hurtful. Like, I'm not saying that you, like, please don't, like, if you're getting, like, abused or people are hurting you physically or mentally or emotionally, please, like, give space. But there's got to be an element of forgiveness. And I don't know what that, that, um, I don't know what that circumstance looks like in that particular situation. I don't know what the balance is, but I know that I got to work on forgiveness. I know that our family has to work on it. Forgiveness, though, it's not about healing their heart. Listen, there's something going on in our heart in regards to this, uh, in regards to my grandfather. There's something going on in my heart that makes me feel and think and live this way. And so God wants to heal my heart. We can walk around for years, and so many of us have done this. I've done this too. I'm just going to push them away. It's going to hurt them. Ha, ha, ha. And they don't know it. And you're just obsessing. Has anyone ever obsessed over a fence? Over and over. It just eats at your own life. And you're just obsessing and you're saying, it's getting them. Every day, oh, it's hurting them. Oh, it's getting at them. And really that bitterness and that rage in you is just taking you out. And from my experience, when I've been in those unforgiving moments, that's been the lowest moment of my life. When I walk around like that every day. So God, it's not about healing their heart, although forgiving others can truly build bridges again and can truly bring about restoration, but it's about healing my heart, core church, our heart. That's what it means. And so if we want our heart to grow, we've got to be a part of the forgiving, or we've got to partake in the forgiving process. I love this. It says this, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. To walk in forgiveness covers the brokenness. Literally, if you operate in love, that offense that happened years ago can be restored. What? Yeah, come on. If you operate in love and show forgiveness and kindness and gentleness, those types of things that look like heaven, you might actually restore something. Most importantly, your heart. I want to live a life of love. And when there's unforgiveness, it's certainly not loving. Hatred stirs up conflict. Check this out. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. And sometimes that hatred just stirs up conflict in yourself and you can't go to sleep and you can't figure life out and you just go through this motion over and over again trying to sort through it and it just hurts you over and over and over again. Guys, love and forgiveness will heal us from the inside out. 
That's why I bring this message to you is because I don't want 2020, I don't want us to go into this entire year not forgiving what has been hurt in the past, not forgiving what disappointment has happened in this past year or in the past years, but that we can walk with a fresh slate full of love, full of joy. And if you want your 2020 to be different, and this is, again, this is why I'm, I had a whole different series in mind. This is why I'm bringing this series to the table. I believe that our group, our core church group, our house here will be totally different if 2020 is filled with forgiveness. It'll be totally different if we live a life of forgiveness. Forgiving leads to a full-hearted life. I am at my best when there's no burden of hatred, no malice. I don't, I forget what that scripture said. No malice, no hatred, no anger, no rage. My life is at its best when it's like that. When it's free of that. So can we forgive today? Again, John Brevere says, a person who cannot forgive has forgotten how great a debt they have been forgiven. A person who cannot forgive has forgotten what Jesus has done. I got to tell you, the forgiving route is really difficult. You're signing up for a very big challenge. But on the other end of that big challenge is real life. Real, real life. On the other end of, of truly forgiving from the inside out is a heart that is free. How silly is it that we, again, my example, walking down an aisle at Target and we feel this burden. Please, I want to be able to walk my life free. Walking into your home, this is really real. <laughs> Emmy and I, we, we were honest about this. Whenever we made this transition, our marriage was a little bit rocky. To be able to walk into your home free, to be able to forgive your spouse, and if you've been in the, the, the married game for a little bit, there's sometimes, there's years of mess that you don't even know where to start. But who wants to walk in their home free again? Who wants to talk with their parents free again? That child that went off on their own, who wants to be able to have that conversation again? It starts with forgiveness. But it ultimately starts with being forgiven. And I want to say this, and this is a bit of a theological statement. How can you forgive if you don't know what forgiveness is like? How can you show forgiveness when you don't know what your Savior has done for you? And so I want to offer an opportunity and can we all bow our heads? If you don't know this Jesus and you're hearing these concepts and, and you're receiving this word and something's hitting and stirring in your heart, but you don't know who this Jesus is, I tell you what, he's, he's a savior who came down to give you life. And all he wants is a relationship with you. All he wants is to be close to you. And he made the way. He went to the cross. He took all of the burdens of humanity, all of the sin that we had ever done, and he put it on his shoulder so that we could be made free, fully forgiven, so that when we see God, we can talk to him and have community with him. And it's really simple. The equation is, it's not be perfect so that you can see me. The equation is love Jesus so that I can be with you. Give your heart to him so that I can be with you. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. In your heart, all you got to say is, God, you're my Lord and Savior, and I give you my life. 
And if that's you, I want to just, a moment of privacy, just pray this with me. And you don't have to pray it out loud, but in your heart, just say this from the bottom of your soul. God, I give you everything. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. You have forgiven me. You have set me free so that I may live the life that you've designed for me. You're my all, and here's all I have. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Is everyone feeling okay? Can I, can I give a serious challenge to pray about forgiveness this week? To take what was written on those cards and really consider it? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm printing out what I just preached and I need to look at it every day. It will change our life. It will change our life.